Shalom Aleichem, Shavua Tov. To all of you listeners of this great station, this is Rabbi Elbaz from SLC. I'm going to be talking about Parashat Shemot, which we read yesterday. The very first Pasuk. Ve'ele Shemot Bnei Yisrael. These are the names of the Bnei Yisrael. Habaim Misraima, who are coming to Egypt. Et Yaakov, together with Yaakov. Ish Oveto Ba'u. A man with his household came. On this first Pasuk, there are three questions. First of all, Ve'ele Shemot Bnei Yisrael. These are the names of the Bnei Yisrael. Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda. Don't we know that? We know. We know what, what are the names of, of the, uh, uh, the Shevatim. We all know that. Not only that, but in Parashat Vayigash, it tells you even the grandchildren, their children, names also are mentioned. What's the Hiddush here? You know, you know, the Torah never puts in even a word that's extra. Everything has a reason. So why the names? Then it says, Habaim Mitzrayma, who are coming. They're not coming now. They came way back. Years, years back. You should have said, Shibaum Mitzrayma, not Habaim. And the third question, what does it mean, Ish Ubeto Ba'u? A man with his household came. Well, of course, a man is not going to come without his household, like by himself and leave uh, uh, his children, his wife and children somewhere else. What's the idea behind this Pasuk here? Well, this Pasuk really did not come to tell us, to tell us facts. It did not come to tell us history. We know that from Pesparashu. No. It came to tell us three basic and fundamental principles to keep our identity while we are in Galut. To stay Jewish and not to lose our beliefs and our laws while we are in Galut. The Bnei Israel were in Galut now. After all, the Jews were in Egypt for centuries there. And at the beginning, of course, they had Yosef, who was on top of the government. They became wealthy. And no doubt, after many years, they could have perhaps integrated into Egyptian society. But they didn't. Then they were slaves. And were subservient to their masters. They couldn't know what they wanted. A slave cannot do what he wants. Yet, they kept their identity to the end. And this pasuk came to tell us how. Number one, these are the names. They kept the names. Reuben, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, the original names, they kept it. They isolated themselves from the rest of the society by keeping their Jewish name, by keeping their own language, their clothing. That helped them. You could say, what about nowadays? How come? Well, nowadays, yeah, we, we have different names. We, uh, we have English names. We, have, we speak English. Uh, uh, we uh, wear clothing like everybody else. Well, that's different. Today, 
we have the Torah. We have the 613 mitzvot, which keep us together. In those days, that was before Matan Torah. They didn't have that yet. So they needed to keep the name, the language, the clothing as one unit so they can always identify as Jews. That's very important to keep in nowadays to keep the Torah. That gives us, that keeps us uh, as one nation together. It says, Habaim Mitzrayma. Ishida said, They came already. Why Habaim now? Because this is telling us something special. In order for them that they, they uh, to keep themselves from integrating into society, they always felt Baim. They just came. They came now. Oh, they thought they came years back. But they never thought of the land of Egypt as being their land. It's like, we just came now. We're foreigners here. We keep thinking of, about our holy land. That's we want to come back. We want to go back there at some time. They always kept in their mind, our land is Eretz Israel. That's Habaim. What's the idea behind? Each man came with his family. Ish ubeto ba'u. This is trying to tell us that the same way that they came as one family unit, each family stayed the same way to the end. Always. It was one, one family together, very close-knit. You know, many times in the olden days, you should know that the Goyim were jealous of us because they see how our family is always together. Every Shabbat, we come together. We go to the synagogue. We, we come home. Kedush. We sit around the table. We sing Zemirot. We say Divrei Torah. The Goyim don't have that kind of thing. They're always jealous that we always had this united family. That kept us. That also kept us together. So these are the three items. The, the first pasuk, Ele Shemot Bnei Yisrael Habayim Mitzrayma Ishu Beto Bau, is telling us three things, not facts. We know the names. We know that they came already. It's telling us how to stay in Galut as one nation. How to keep our Jewish identity. Now, these principles apply at all times, not only in Egypt. Even when we are in Galut nowadays, anywhere in the world, including the United States, thank God, we are living in a country which prides itself by being a dem democratic country. Yet, you never know what could happen in the future. Give you an example. Look what's happening in France, which is supposed to be a democratic country. France, democratic country, right? A recent New York Post article said, listen to this. Thousands of French Jews moved out of France to Israel and the U.S. because they just, they just couldn't breathe as Jews in France. 
There's no Jewish future there. You cannot walk in Paris wearing a yarmulke. You're taking your life in, in your hands. <clears throat> Since 2000, the number of Jews leaving France out of fear for their safety has increased drastically. Over the past decade in France, anti-Semitic hate crimes have reportedly averaged roughly 566 a year. Well, so much for that democratic country. We could, we could never believe in any foreign country ever day. We never know. We should be happy, Baruch Hashem, that we are here. But even here, there could be problems. And there were problems. I spoke last week about the fact that the government is interfering with our uh, yeshivot, what we're learning, what we're teaching. Now, you may ask, wait a minute, we have a halachic principle, dina demalchuta dina, meaning we're supposed to abide by the laws of the government. We have an obligation to submit ourselves to the rules and regulations imposed by our, by our government. But is that always true? No. There are two exceptions to that rule. Exception number one. If it interferes with our Torah. For example, they say, well, we can't have a milah anymore. You can't have kashrut anymore. You can't wear tefillin anymore. Whatever. We don't listen. We don't deny the Machutayna does not apply any longer. We fight it as much as we can. And secondly, even if it has, it does not interfere with our Torah, but if the laws are passed specifically against the Jews, we don't listen. We fight it. Laws that apply to everybody, we have to listen and we have to obey. The government says we have to pay tax. We pay tax. Everybody pays tax. We pay tax. There are laws that have to do with driving. When there's a red light, you stop. You have to. You have to obey it. There's a rule. You want to build a home. You have to follow certain codes, certain rules. You can't say, "I'm not going to follow this." No, we have an obligation to follow. But if we are singled out, then wait a minute. Everyone in the country is going to pay 20% tax. The Jews are going to pay 30%. No good. Then they have to fight. Now, you see, this anti-Semitism has been around since day one. And you think, you might think, now it's different because we are in a democratic society. But we equal. It doesn't always happen that way. Think again. At any time, things could easily change. And as I spoke about last week, about this, the idea that they're targeting the Shivot because they, uh, for whatever reason, even though they're wrong, because the, uh, uh, the, the if you look at the results, uh, the the students in Shivot always score better. But I'm happy to inform you that with the help 
of the outcry of all, many, many rabbis and the help of some influential, a few pol political uh, statesmen, at least we have succeeded to win half the battle. Not the entire, half the battle. In other words, originally they wanted that we should have 35 hours a week in yeshivot of secular studies, which is impossible. That, 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 that's not feasible at all. Then, after all this outcry, finally they decided to cut it in half, which means three and a half hours a day, approximately for five days. It's manageable. But that's not, that's not all. They want to interfere with the way we teach. They want to have observers come and look how we teach. What does that mean? And they want us to follow their curriculum. The curriculum says, you know, you have to have some hours teaching uh, music, dance, theater. They want to teach theater and dancing, to be an actor. I mean, how do you, how do you expect a bin Torah or, or, or a bat Torah learning in the yeshiva? We want to teach you how to dancing and teach you how to be an actor. But that, that, that doesn't make any sense. Teach history, fine. We'll teach history. Look at the history of the Jews. Tanakh. Tanakh is of the Jews. But they want to send observers to see how we teach. Doesn't make any sense. What does an observer? A guy is going to know by how we're teaching Tanakh. <laughs> and you know why all this? Because they fund, they fund us. Not entirely, of course. They, they provide some funds to the yeshiva. I'll tell you a, a little story. Uh, years back when Menachem Begin became the prime minister of Israel, you know, Menachem Begin was compared at least compared to the other prime ministers of Israel, it was somewhat a little more appreciative of our religion, <clears throat> perhaps even observing some parts of it. So the uh, I remember uh, reading at that time that the Rav uh, Shach and has sent some a couple of representatives to go to speak to Menachem Begin about helping the yeshiva. Prior to that, the government was helping a certain percentage, I don't remember exactly, 30%, whatever. They want a little more, perhaps 50%, 60%, whatever. So they came and they started talking to Menachem Begin. After listening to them, he said to them the following, I'm not going to fund 30%, not 50%, not 60%, I'm going to fund you 100%. You realize how happy and pleased they were. They went back, they had a big meeting, everybody was jubilant. The government's paying for everything. All of a sudden, Rabshah gets up and says, wait a minute, we do not accept 
We do not want 100%. No way. Why? Because once they're going to fund us 100%, they're going to tell us what to teach and how to teach, how long to teach. No, we don't accept 100%. Now here, the government is not even giving us 100%. No way near that. It's a small percentage. What, what do they get? They, uh, they fund us for uh, the buses, uh, uh, the textbooks, and certain things, you know. That's it. But still, they want to tell us how to teach. The first Pashuk, is telling us, you keep your identity. There are three things that are important. And one of them, if it interferes with the Torah, you fight it. But there's one thing that we have to keep in mind at all times. For us to fight properly, we have to be united. We have to have ahdut. If we don't have ahdut, we can be in trouble. And we see this from the parasha also. At the beginning of the parasha, Moshe Rabbeinu, he comes around, he sees two Jews fighting, and he says to him, Hey, you Rasha, why hitting you, your friend? Then he goes a second day. Right? No, sorry, the first time he saw the Mitzri that was Makkeh, the Ivri, and he killed him. That was the first day. The second day, he saw the two uh the two Jews that were fighting each other. And he thought, why Rasha, why are you hitting you, your friend? And what did he say? Wait a minute. Who are you? Well, you you you're some kind of a uh, of a judge over here. Are you going to kill me like you killed the, the Egyptian yesterday? Vayera Moshe, Moshe got scared. Vayomer he said, Achen noda adabar. Ooh, noda adabar. Hey, meaning that we have some informers around here. We have some people that go immediately to the government and tell them what's going on. Ah, that's what Rashi says. Midrasho, no da'ali alav. Look what Rashi says. Hey, now I know something that I was you know, it was bothering me. I, I, I didn't understand well. Why is it? What's the big sin of Israel from all the nations that they 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 are being subjected to Abu Dhat Parekh hardship? Says now I see that informers. Says now I understand. When you have Lashonara between us, when there is friction, when there is sin'ah, it's no good. That is a big problem. We have to have the ahdud. 
So from Rashi, it is understood that one of the reasons for the Abu Dat Parikh is Het Halashun. They had Dalturim, informers who spoke Lashon about them. There was Kin'a and Sin'a between them. Listen what the Kliyakar says. Vezo Ikar Sibali Israel Yod Begalut. This is one main reason for Israel to be in Galut. Mitzad Hasin'a Shebenehem Yoter Mikol Amot. Because of the hatred between them. This is there. It's no good. We have to do something about it. Kina, no good. Lashonara brings it. And this is perhaps what HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe Rabbeinu to give him some kind of a uh, remez, a hint to tell the Bnei Yisrael how when Moshe Rabbeinu says to Hashem, how can you believe me? How do I know you going to believe me? He doubted them. He told them, number one, he says, you take the staff, throw it on the floor, it became a snake. That's number one. Number two, put your hand in your bosom and become a tsunad. Okay? Leprosy. Why these Two simanim. Why not something else? There are plenty of things that can be done. Hashem can do millions of miracles. These two simanim have to do somewhat with Lashon Hara. He himself said, Henry Amir, they won't believe me. Even that slight little thing. But Hashem is telling him, listen, when it comes, what's a snake? A snake was the first being that spoke Lashonara. If you look into Rashim Parashat Bereshit, Peregimel, it's over there, the, uh, the, uh, the snake that convinced Chavat to eat from the, the tree, uh, he said, Ki kol uman sone ebene uman uto. He spoke Lashonara. But the Almighty God, he said, you know, every woman, every craftsman, you know, he doesn't like another craftsman like him. A musician doesn't like another one. A carpenter doesn't know why he takes his business away. He says, you see, he doesn't want you to eat. You know, the, 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 the tree, you know, because you're going to be, you're going to have a sechel like him. And he doesn't want God forbid. What about the one with the bosom? He put it, become, it become a tzorah? We all know a tzorah. Why does a person become a tzorah? Motsi shemra. A tzorah is because of Ashunara. We know that. This is the one thing that they had also. And when they were redeemed, then this particular bad midah was removed. As it says in Shira Shim Rabbah, Rabhuna Bishem Bakapara Amar, Bishut Arbaadevarim Nigalu Israel, Bidusikhut of four things 
the Bnei Yisrael were redeemed from Egypt. Hoshinu et Shemam, didn't change the name, not the language, not the Mabush, velo amru lashonara, it says, and they stopped lashonara. They corrected the problem. Once they corrected the problem, then they, they, that's the chut. They were able to be, to be redeemed. We all know the second Bita Midrash was destroyed because of what? Well, this is the one thing to keep us as Jews together. I mentioned before from the first Pasuk. I repeat again. Keep our Torah. Always think there's a, our Holy Land is always in Eretz Israel. And keep a family tight together. And keep us all united together. With that Ahdut, with the Zechut of all these We'll be okay to have Mashiach Sidkenu Bekarov in Haramin Kiriyasa. Rabotai and Tushman remind you again, please, you can help this station, help to contribute so it can stay. It'll be a great benefit to your family, to our community. And if you have any simha, please just call us at our uh, SLC. I'm sure we can accommodate any simha that you have. Shawatov. Shalom